If you're interested in sponsoring How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Please remember, these episodes are considered for mature audiences only. There is some language and some mature discussion. Live from our houses, it's how you play the game. It's how you play the game with Jack Furlong, Sean Ryan, featuring John Goodman and the Saturday Night Live Band, and your host, a monkey with a coconut. I got enough. I ran out of ideas at that point. <laughs> I figured we would do an SNL type thing and, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I think we got the point across, right? Well, yeah. bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, see you later. See you later. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out from my poor open, welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osa Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. We are still in a... COVID-19 environment, which means we don't know when these episodes come out. They come as they please, and uh, we got one for you here today. Uh, it's, uh, it's the end of June in the year 2020, uh, or as we call it, the apocalypse. And um, we're just uh, happy to be with you with uh, nothing much going on. But uh, we, got, we got some stuff to chat about. And uh, as always, you can find us on the interwebs. Our uh, website is osafoundation.org, where you can submit your stories of sportsmanship for us to talk about and even possibly join us on the show uh you can email the show the address is podcast at osafoundation.org and on social media you can find us at facebook.com slash osafoundation and twitter and instagram at osafoundation hashtag how you play the game across the way and by across the way i mean on the monitor in front of me our producer engineer mr sean ryan hello sean how are you i'm gonna turn on the ac with my phone wow you are some kind of sorcerer or soothsayer or you have magic and it's you, cooling it's cooling right now i can see it because it's now blue mm -hmm. yeah you see the number i do see the number is this is this podcast rated m for immature absolutely okay <laughs> we are little boys aren't we <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, anyway, uh, Sean, good to see you as always across the way. You know, um, we uh, we're in a weird time right now. But if there's any solace, we are uh, approaching the month of July when uh, some sports may finally return in some capacity. We hey, may baseball, right? Baseball is around the corner. Basketball is around the corner. Um, hockey is probably not too far behind. Um, I thought hockey was ahead. Hockey's I, probably ahead. Yeah. I just, I can't keep track of it because you see the, the problem that I have with this is these sports are restarting in, uh, un, under obviously changed circumstances. Hmm. And yet at the same time, cases of COVID are spiking in about half the States of this country. And mm -hmm. so it leads me to wonder whether or not we're, you know, getting false hope. Could something happen where uh, all of these ideas that we had are just going to shut things down? You know, I'm, I'm left scratching my head because I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. if the if the cases are spiking, well, why didn't we just start playing from the get go? 
You know, I mean, what's right. we, this would be the time to say, no, it's not a good idea. But mm -hmm. that's why I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Yep. And and really, you know, it, I think that it's it's another testament to the idea that each of us kind of deals with this in our own way. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to really work diligently uh, on our own personal well-being. And, and, mm -hmm. and it's a good way to remind everybody that, you know, the, the, it's okay to not be okay right now. I know that's a little of cliche. Course. I know that it's a little uh, bit of a catchphrase that gets used a little too much. I mean, there are all these different things and I mean, whatnot. There's so much going on. So, yeah. I mean, like, you, you have to take everything into account. Right. When I, when I did the podcast with the guys at Close Call Sports, one of the biggest things that I said right off the bat is – you know, you, you have to, this, this is the, don't worry about the idea of we're all in this together. That's kind of BS because it's just kind of play, paying lip service to it. Mm -hmm. Come out and say consciously, verbally that this sucks. This absolutely sucks. This is a form of hell and, right. and I hate it um, because the sooner you do that, the sooner you can kind of begin to come to terms with it a little bit and say, well, how do I make the best of it? How do I improve from it? How do I heal? Um, and it's going to be different from every person and, it's, and whatnot. And, you just, and it, humanize, it humanizes you too. Exactly. Exactly. It be, makes you begin to see that every one of us is uh, a flawed human being with our own set of issues and that's okay. Right. You know, and I think that kind of leads us nicely into our conversation today, because as we were prepping for it, one of the big things that came across my mind was the fact that we are all human beings. We all have flaws. We all have proverbial skeletons in the closet. OK, there are issues um, with everything that each of us do individually as a whole, whatever. And the sooner we realize that we are not perfect and that we will make mistakes and that things will happen along those lines, the sooner we can heal and become tolerant and accepting of that and, and begin to, you know, right the necessary wrongs or also just kind of forget about the stuff that might upset us in the first place, you know, and, and realize that, geez, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here. Um, mm -hmm. And so with that, today's, today's topic, uh, Sean brought it up to me, and I'm going to turn the floor over to Sean in a moment. Um, Sean pitched the idea of talking about sportsmanship and the cancel culture, which is obviously uh, very prominent right now. And um, I, 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 I don't know if I'll do it justice in describing it in a summary because it is kind of all over the place. So right. uh, let me, Sean, why don't you talk to us about what moved you to suggest this, what, you know, and, and how you feel about it. Sure. So we have to first understand what cancel culture is. Um, and the idea behind it is that, I mean, it's existed for a long time. Um, I don't know exactly when it started, but my the modern definition of what I take from it is that it's the idea of boycotting something or canceling it, as is in the name, uh, because you don't agree with it and you think everyone else should too. 
And um, oftentimes there is a justification for it. I will be honest, there is absolutely justification for it, especially these days. But also there are times when it's not justified. And when it's not, <clears throat> the most important thing to realize is that oftentimes when it's not justified, the proper amount of research isn't put into a thoughtful argument for it. And that's, that ties into the sportsmanship. So <clears throat> an idea of cancel culture um, is uh, when we talk, I keep bringing up our music podcast, but talking about Michael Jackson and the allegations surrounding him uh, and the, the whole thing with Neverland. And the idea is, well, well, now should we stop listening to his music because of that? Should we connect the artist to the art in a way that is detrimental in in that we no you shouldn't listen to thriller anymore no you shouldn't listen to billy jean anymore um if billy jean comes on the radio and you're listening to it and you like it someone else suddenly doesn't like you because you like that song and they can't separate the two that in and of itself is bad sportsmanship. Um, this goes back even farther to Wagner, you know, in the late 19, uh, late 1800s, Wagner was a known anti-Semite, um, but he wrote beautiful music. So do, do we separate, can we separate the art from the artist? And you kind of have to, I mean, to, to think in a, in a, in a logical sense you you have to um wagner is part his music is part of the the great classical discography um that can't be argued that he was one of the most influential composers of all time i mean he influenced movie music right 50 60 years later and uh, that sort of transformed into the orchestral scores that we hear into in movies today, really, that style of his music. So should we not listen to any music like that <laughs> because of so because the person who originally wrote that kind of music was an anti-Semite? So if you can't, I mean, yeah, if you don't want to, if you don't want to like the individual, of course, I mean, being an anti-Semite is terrible. It's not cool at all, especially now, especially anytime, really. It's not, it's, it's just not right. I mean, we can all agree with that, but you can't tie his music to that and say, oh, well, his music now, we can't, we can't, we can't listen to anymore. Because it's, of the artist. It's the equivalent of to kind of bring it to some to a topic that might be a bit more apropos or relatable. Um, it's the idea of saying you can't separate uh, the the founding fathers of this country from the fact that they may have been slave owners. And to say that, you know, they they had a brilliance about them to uh, lead the the path, the trailblazing path to set up the greatest country 
in the history of existence. And yet you can't get past the fact that at that time, when it was a different culture, they made the error of owning slaves. And no one is going to argue that slave ownership is a good thing. Um, you know, we obviously wish that that had never happened, but to basically uh, denounce the founding fathers as a result of one fault of theirs, uh, you, you're basically saying, you know what, why don't we go through the closet of every human being and see what skeletons are in there? And if we find one skeleton, that's reason enough to say, I want nothing to do with you. Right. And the other thing too, is that I believe in, 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 in an evolving constitution mm -hmm. where things where common, you know, where, where, where things that are happening today, you know, we just have to, we have to take into account what was written and what's going on today. And we have to kind of meet in the middle. Right. Like I won't go too much into this, but the second amendment. That's, oh, a gr that's I was just thinking about that. Yep. There were no, there were no AR-15s right. in 1776. You know, they, they had the musket. Right. I mean, you know, they, they, the forefathers never would have been able to predict what guns would be like today, mm -hmm. right? Maybe Ben Franklin. Well, he, <laughs> he, he was a genius. He's a, okay, he's on a whole. He's on a he, whole. Oh, level. He, he, he's in a textbook somewhere, if you know <laughs> what I mean. But like, but but yeah, there's no way they would have been able to predict right what kind of weapons there would be today, and you have to take that into account. Like, right. You you can't. There was a great there was a great commercial about a guy with a with a musket coming in going into an office and like shooting one person and like missing right because of the because of the because of the 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 spray right, right. yep and then he had to you know do yeah. the, reload the gun and yep. everyone was running out and right. it's like well guns have changed so should the laws right right so right. that i believe in and right. if we believe in that kind of evolving constitution and that kind of evolving thought which is really progressive we have to we have to take everything into account. Then. It's you know what's funny is I I keep going back to a Family Guy clip where they're talking about the Second Amendment and it's back in the you know the the days of the of the Constitution writing and they said I don't understand how they could possibly misinterpret how everybody has the right to a pair of bear arms and it's literally like they have a pair right. of arms ripped off a bear I saw that. yeah <laughs> like how is this, how could anybody get this wrong. You know, right. so, but you, but you make a great point in that, you know, philosophically, um, we should not have to adapt to what they, you know, what, what they were going for, because the idea is in itself very, very true. However, like you said, when you look at the practical applications of where we are now, it would behoove us to at least come to the bargaining table and say, well, what can we do that's not going to set a bad precedent, that's not going to put us into a, you know, a, 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 a situation where we're going to you know, lead to bigger screw-ups later? Um, you know, how, how are we going to, how can we do this in a, in a proper way where we don't actually uh, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot, no pun intended, mm -hmm. much, much later. And I always go back to the idea of saying, I, you know, listen, I personally believe 
in the right to bear arms, but that doesn't mean that I'm an idiot, you know? And that doesn't mean, I don't, I don't really see it as, a, as an issue to say, if I want to own a gun, that I shouldn't be able to, you know, live through a screening process that might take four to six weeks to, you know, properly approve uh, the fact that I can own a gun. And if that means that I have to certify that I know how to uh, shoot a gun and that they need to check my, my background and whatnot, you know, they can even, you know, we have the technology now to even have a signature gun, you know, in order to prevent uh, further issues. You know, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the idea of your palm print you know, is the only one that can unlock the gun or your fingerprint, whatever it is. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've all, you know, you and I have seen License to Kill and Skyfall where that happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that we have the technology and if we, you know, and, and if we implement the technology, we can, you know, at least, you know, what do we have to do? Do we have to sign an agreement that says that this does not set a precedent for other amendments where we can, you know, bend the rules later. I mean, it's not, we're literally saying you can own a gun, but we want everybody to be safe, you know, Mm -hmm. but regardless of that, because I know that there are some people who take that very seriously. And this is where sportsmanship comes into play in that if you don't agree with this, I, I totally understand. Okay. I understand. You understand you are, you are completely entitled to your opinion that the right to bear arms should not be messed with. And, 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 and I respect you if that's what you happen to believe. Mm-hmm. What, where, where we cross a line is where you say, you know what, I feel the need to share the living daylights out of my thought and make sure that I give off the idea that if you don't believe the same thing that I do, you are the exact act, same the exact same thing that I do. That's the that's the key word. Right. Then then you're an idiot and I have no time for you. You know, it goes back to the idea of how you choose your words and what kind of tone you use. And we see this on social media all the time. If you don't agree with something, that's fine. But I, I have to ask, what moves you to the point where you have to share this? Uh, you know, and say, I have to get this off my chest and let my circle on social media know just exactly how I feel Mm -hmm. and make sure that everybody knows that if you don't respect how I feel, if you don't agree with me exactly, then I won't let you into my social circle. Right. I mean, that, that is, we, we have to do a better job of choosing our words. Right. You know, and, and that I think speaks to the cancel culture as, as you have described it. And speaking of words, um, I'll get to the first article. Okay. Um, so I figured that since sports is kind of coming back and this will be the first article that we've ever, that we've had on sports since I think this whole pandemic began, right? Oh God, it, it's, I don't even remember. Was, was, what, were we a country yet when we did a podcast about sports? <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, was Jesus crucified yet? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, so this article is, uh, I found it on Deadspin. It's a, sort of an op-ed, I guess. I think so, it's definitely an op-ed. It's definitely an op-ed, yeah. Um, and uh, it's by Rob Parker, who is a writer for Deadspin. 
And uh, it's the, the article's titled, We've Lived with the Master's Name Long Enough. And of course, he's referring to golf, the Master's Tournament. Um, so he starts off the, the article by saying that um, due to these unprecedented times and, uh, you know, great grave injustices have been have been uh have been perpetrated he said that um several things have been done already to sort of make things right so to say so he says um he opens up the article with saying you know statues of confederate officers and slave owners have been toppled not just here but all over the world no one's horrible legacy is safe during the current movement against police brutality and systemic racists after the murder of George Floyd at the hands of, of white cop in Minneapolis. Um, he also says that NASCAR did the unthinkable banning the banning the Confederate flag from its events. After all that move is a direct slap in the face of the sports paying customers. It wasn't an easy decision, but it was simply the right choice. And to a point I kind of get it. Um, you know, the Confederate flag is sort of, to me at least, a symbol of division, not so much um, unification like the American flag is. Um, and I get that. I I understand that part of it. And, and, these, and this is definitely, you know, your op-ed and his op-ed here, which is right. important to note. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, see, so I'm, I'm responding to his op-ed right. with my own opinion. Um, I... You know, I, I think that he makes some good points in this article overall, but there are some points that I disagree with as well. So he comes he comes down to saying uh, there's a bigger there's a but let's not stop there. There's a bigger one in the room that needs to be addressed, changed, and removed, and the name the Masters must go. The herald the heralded golf tournament, one of the four majors needs to go back to its original name, the Augusta National Invitational. It became the Masters in 1939. Tiger Woods, other big-time golfers, and corporate sponsorships should demand it. In the current climate, with all the sweeping changes, it's only right and just. Best of all, in this case, it's a simple and smooth fix. The Masters never felt good or even sounded good when you said it. And before we hear from the choir about tradition and history, save it. When that history and tradition is rooted in slavery, it shouldn't be preserved and honored. Augusta National was built on grounds that were once a slave plantation and was the property of a slave owner. And according to a 2019 New Yorker piece about the course, it's believed that enslaved blacks were housed on the property. And be honest, when you hear anyone say the masters, you think of slave masters in the South. There's nothing else, nothing special. You don't think of some, someone mastering the game of golf. When has anyone mastered golf? So I'm going to stop right there for now. <laughs> okay. Um, and I want to work backwards. Okay. When has anyone mastered golf? Arnold Palmer. Jack Nicholas. Yep. Ben Hogan. Tiger Woods. Uh, Phil Mickelson. Just to name a few. Yeah. 
okay? These are venerable masters of the game who are invited to play at the Masters Tournament. Right. Because they are masters of the sport. Correct. So um, that last paragraph sort of gets me, I disagree with the most. I agree. I agree Um, with your disagreement. And to be honest, when you hear someone say the masters, you think of slave masters in the South. Well, no, no, I don't. I don't. Ma- I don't automatically make that correlation. Um, and I've spoken to other people about this actually, and everyone that I've spoken to, um, and some of them were people of color that I asked about the masters. Like, what do you think of the masters golf tournament? They're like, oh, that's the one with the green jacket, right? And the and the and the and the trophy. I'm like, well, they all have trophies, but yeah, I mean, the green jacket is the most to me. That's the most, I mean, recognizable part of. That's the, the coveted nature of the golf tournament and right. the golf world. Yeah. And I'm like, and and like they they didn't bring up any other connotation. So my argument for this is that I think that connotation is realized on the part of the observer and not the presenter. Yeah. And you would have to connect a lot of dots in in some cases, not all cases, but in some cases to make to make that argument. So I mean, you, because where did like okay, let me let me let me take it a step further. Where does it stop? So like if you're at an orchestra concert the first chair violinist in an orchestra is called the concert master concert master. So let's make some correlations. Yep. Concert master leader of an orchestra. Uh Oh, they're in charge. Oh no. Violins have strings. Strings can be made into a whip. Oh no. Let's get rid of concert master. Let's get uh, rid of the entire string section. Right. Yeah. Um, Star Wars, Jedi Master. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they have weapons. They are. They are. They are. Uh, they have an academy where they train younglings how to, and and are are masters that train younglings how to use the force. Oh no! Unnecessary force. Oh no! Force labor. Oh no! No more Jedi Master. Let's May, cancel it. Mace Windu does it never existed. Right. Samuel L. Jackson is not a thing. Right. So like, it's it it sounds stupid when I say it. Yeah, I mean because it kind of is. Like I I mean like you. I think what the 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 biggest thing about this is that, um, you know he so so Rob Parker goes on to to say. Even at the even on dictionary dot com, one of the de- one of the definitions you get for master is owner of a slave. That's obviously paraphrased. Yes. Um, yes, that is one of the definitions, but it's the historical definition, not the modern day definition. Correct. So, the, the, and and so that is kind of what, that's kind of what I feel about that paragraph. I mean, I <laughs> there's more, um, but I think that if you can't separate the two definitions of the historical definition with the modern definition, then 
I don't think the name is the problem. I think it's you. I think it's the 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 history or the the experience that it's, you have had. Right. Connotations don't exist unless you make them. Right. And right. so, like, I'm sure he's not the only one that has had that connotation. I'm sure there are lots of people that have. Right. And I under I get it. I I understand his point of view and I respect it. But I don't agree with it. I just don't think that. It, it the, the slave masters in the south and slavery is the last thing i think about when i think of the masters golf tournament right i when you sent this to me and, and i read that line i was like you know what when i hear the word master or masters the two things that came to my mind first were a the degree that i have in music and the degree that you have in music mm -hmm. you know we have a master's degree that doesn't mean that we need to rename all master's degree that means we have achieved a certain level of mastery of mm -hmm. our craft we're okay? experts in the field exactly or the other one is if you and i are working at a mixing board Mm -hmm. uh, for sound, there is one knob that, or, or lever that's called the master volume, and that controls mm -hmm. the overall volume of right. everything, you know? Here's one that I just thought of. When, uh, it, I don't know how old this term is, I just remember that uh, young boys, whereas their dads might be called mister, they're called, they're called master. master. Yep. Exactly. I so, thought about that a while ago, too. I was like, there, there are so many, you, what, what this author has done, is demonstrated the point that I demonstrated to you earlier in pre-production about this, where I suggested that what has happened is this particular author has had some previous experience where this has hurt him. And okay. we have to respect that. Right. And 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 at we no have to respect that. At no point are we suggesting that he needs to just quote unquote get over it. Okay. That is that is you know sensitivity is a thing. And, and, you know, I told you, I'm reading this book right now by Dr. Elaine Aaron about the highly sensitive persons and mm -hmm. how she discovered it. And I'm realizing this is totally me. I am an HSP, okay? And, and there are up to 20% of the human population are HSP. They, they perceive things in a much more sensitive way. Highly sensitive person? Exactly. The, uh, okay. I, 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 I wholeheartedly recommend you, you know, anybody who thinks that they are overtly sensitive and they don't understand why, to pick up this book or this series of books and research it because you will lead a different life once you read this. You will say, I understand why I am the way that I am. But that being that aside, it's it's completely possible that, you know, something happened in the past of this author that has triggered him in a way where when he reads this or when he perceives this, he gets a bad feeling. And what, hap what happens is that as a person, human beings have the, 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 the innate ability when they are triggered in this way to set up defenses and go on the offense and to say, My, I, I refuse to let myself get hurt anymore and I will do anything and everything in my power to ensure that I prevent any future catastrophe okay what they what they're not realizing here is that although that's a totally normal reaction the healthier thing to do is to ask yourself why is this the case in in, in a safe measured way say why am i so triggered by this and to better understand their own trigger and to 
try and work through it. And that's not, by doing so, you're not admitting guilt. You're not admitting fault. You're not admitting weakness. You're actually showing strength because what you're doing is you're saying, I am looking for the inner strength to face my fear, to face my bad experience, and to better understand why this is happening the way that it is. And if it turns out it's because I'm an HSP, for example, that's fine. That just, it better explains why that is the case, you know, and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing because now you better understand it and you can better understand other people who might have a similar experience and other people who might have a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole point here is to say, when you have an opinion, it's how you react to that opinion. It's how you present that opinion that matters. It's not the fact that you have the opinion. Okay. The, one of the examples I gave to you was the idea of saying, okay, if I'm an umpire, which I am, I'm a baseball umpire. And not someone, right now. Not right now, obviously, <laughs> okay? If someone yells about me about a call that I make to the point where I start feeling bullied, okay, I could easily, on one hand, decide to pack it in and say, you know what, I don't need this. I'm never going to umpire again. Or, that's one extreme, or the other extreme is the cancel culture where I could demand that all of baseball is canceled and is never played again. Because if we are going to allow a sport to exist where someone can have a disagreeing opinion, that's wrong. And, and that is never supposed to be the case. The, the, instead, what I did was I looked at myself and I said, okay, in the specific sense, did I get the call right? Did I get the call wrong? Okay. Now, that being said, do I deserve to be treated this way by this particular person who treated me improperly because of the job that I was doing? And eventually, through this healthy thought process, that led me to the idea of creating our organization. Okay. Because I Everyone said. Everyone has a story. Exactly. Because I said, you know what? I believe that everybody deserves to be treated the way that they would wish to be treated. And that doesn't mean that we have to stop playing sports because of, uh, you know, one bad apple. It means that what we need to do is we need to begin to spread a message where we say, you know what, maybe we need to rethink the way that we treat our officials and that coaches and players act and whatnot because we can still play this game and we can still, you know, have, you know, have a grand old time doing it. But if we have a disagreement, maybe we can do a better job of expressing that disagreement. We don't have to just do it the old-fashioned way because that's the way we've always done it. And that, that led me to thinking about some of these racial issues in that mm -hmm. just because slavery was once a thing doesn't mean that we should never get to the point where we abolished it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that now, now I, I am by no stretch of the imagination an expert Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. What we part? Should've... We should have never, we should never have abolished slavery. Is that what you're saying? I thought that, is that what you said? No, wait, no. I said, I'm saying because, <laughs> wait, you're, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I just, want you're to confusing. You're confusing. I'm <laughs> saying because it's the way that it had always been, that okay. doesn't mean we should have never abolished slavery. What I'm saying is that because we had slaves in the past, Mm -hmm. Okay, that doesn't mean that we can't evolve from that thought and eventually get to a point where we have abolished slavery. 
Okay. Okay. I'm not saying that slavery is a good thing and that we should still have it. Okay. okay. What I'm what I'm saying is that by the same idea of how well in baseball we always have arguments and we always have that. That doesn't mean we can't evolve to the point where we get rid of the uncomfortable arguments, mm-hmm. okay? And we, and we adapt to a new way where we can say, well, we want to get the call right and we can express the differences of opinions in a proper way where we don't put ourselves at a further detriment. It's the same thing where it says, yes, okay, at one point slavery was legal and it was accepted and now it's not. And that's a good thing, okay? okay? That's what I'm saying. Good, okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you gonna? You're, I have a feeling you're gonna go in and you're gonna edit this to make me out to sound like a complete idiot. No, 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 no. no I'm not okay. editing anything. Don't worry. Because that would require extra work on your part. Right. Forget yeah. that. We, we can't do that. Yeah. No. Let's get in the game here. Um, um, so, but the point being that, you know, we have the ability to examine our actions and say, you know what, maybe this is something where the better of society could come into play. And I think that in cases such as our civil rights movement, okay, that was something that turned that went from an individual thing to a very global thing. And we're, we're better for it because of that. However, by contrast, because this one particular author is demanding that the name of the masters be changed just because he happens to be potentially triggered, that I don't know if that necessarily leads us to a point where we need to make further changes just because of his one triggered reaction. So I want to, I want to go back to what changing the name specifically means and what it doesn't mean. Okay. So what if this guy got his way? What if Rob Parker got his way and the, you know, the, the, the board of directors of the masters tournament got together and they, you know, they, they all voted on changing it saying, okay, yeah, you know, this, this guy makes a point. It's an antiquated term. I could see how he makes the connection. Let's change it back to the Augusta National Invitational. What does that do? Right? So what, like, think, like, okay, what next? Right? Like, okay, so we changed the name. What short-term and long-term positive effects does changing the name do? Right. You know, like... You could change it to anything, right? You can change it to the Mary Poppins picnic Banana lollipop patch, yeah. rainbow parade. And it doesn't change the fact that it's still played at the same venue. Right. right? It's still so, golf. Right. So here's, here's the thing he goes on to say after, the, after that paragraph, when has anyone mastered golf? He says the only thing worse than the name of the event is the actual venue. Okay, now we're actually getting somewhere. The golf course where it's held annually held long racist and sexist policies. Augusta National admitted no African-American members until 1990, which is insane. Okay. And no women members until 2012. That's nuts. Right. That's completely wrong. Actually, it's not nuts. Because they didn't have nuts. See what I did there? Baha. This podcast is rated M for immature. Yeah. But so the club long required all caddies to be black and banned black golfers from the Masters tournament until Lee Elder participated in 1975. So, okay, now we're actually, okay, so that's a legitimate argument. That should supersede the name change. Right. It's not about the name 
It's about the venue. The if, actions. If yeah. Right. So here's what you do. Why doesn't he argue for the location to be changed to another club? Just change it. Right. Change it to another club. Shut down Augusta National and make it a public course where everyone can enjoy it. Maybe make proceeds, the proceeds for membership and for the attendance at the Masters go towards organizations that benefit people of color. Maybe, maybe have the proceeds go to the victims of these needless deaths by the hands of our police. You can, maybe yeah. better yet, maybe, make, maybe have a platform, maybe donate it to a platform supporting police reform. There you go. Even better. That is action. That is doing something. So that makes, to me, that makes changing the name nothing but an empty gesture. It's a band-aid. No intrinsic. Yeah. It's, it's the argument is arbitrary and capricious. Yep. There's no, there's no substance to it. So if you do all of that, right, if you do all of that first where you, where, you, where you move the tournament to another location, you make Augusta National into a park or a public golf course that everyone can enjoy, and then you want to change the name of the Masters, come talk to me. Right. Then, then we can have a talk. Then, then we can do it. But changing but, – and he even says, he even says at the very beginning of the article, right, he says it would be a quick, it would be a simple and smooth fix. Well, you know what? Nothing worth fighting for is ever simple and smooth. Right, right. So if you want to actually do something and make the change, move the, move, move the venue. Shut down the golf course. Do something instead of saying change a name. I'll, I'll do you one better. And maybe this is simple, okay, but I feel like it's, the, it's also kind of that happy compromise where as we examine this, you know, if, if you're playing, let's say for arbitrary, you know, for, 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 for just for the sake of argument, you're playing one side and I'm playing the other side, okay? Mm -hmm. And we come to the negotiation table with very distinct differences and whatnot, and we want to try and find that happy medium to say, we're, we're, what can we both live with here? Mm -hmm. um, I might say, you know what, for me, don't do anything except the following. Make sure that in whatever the equivalent is of our golf history textbooks, okay, I'm using that term very generally, very broadly, that we show and that we teach that this particular club made a mistake and that mistake was in the exclusion of African Americans and women for a certain period of time and highlight the fact that they learn from that and they made the change. To me, that right there solves it because what you're doing is you're doing what we should be doing from the get-go, and that is exposing the past mistakes that we made so that we don't make them in the future. And that's it. And, right. and say, listen, nobody here, you know, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have to feel guilty about this. We shouldn't have to feel remorse. Let's just say, hey, you know what? It was a different time. We made some mistakes. And the best thing that we can do here is learn from them and do better later. And evolve. Evolve. I mean, you know, that's you know, that's the thing. Like, because changing a name is so empty. Like you you can I mean if you change this, then why not change everything that has right. to do with master? I exactly. Mean, like, you know that where that, do you where are you drawing the line? 
So what I'm, what the, the, the general point that I'm making germane to this article is that Rob Parker is making the wrong argument. Yeah. It, he's, he even says that the bigger deal is the venue. Right. So then his argument shouldn't be about changing the name. It should be about changing the venue. You know what this speaks to, in my opinion, and I just thought of this, in the world of media, okay, as we have uh, op-ed pieces and and space that has to be published Mm -hmm. you got to talk about something you got to fill the space with something Mm -hmm. and so in order to meet deadlines and whatnot we just sometimes come up or the media just sometimes comes up with stuff that they just don't think through Mm -hmm. you know uh, I remember I, I I I hear John Sterling talk about this on the radio all the time during Yankee games, which means I haven't heard it in a while. But still, um, the idea is where he says, you know, they got to talk about something. They got to put something in the op-ed pieces, so they'll just mm-hmm. say stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And and unfortunately, that's where some like some of these ridiculous ideas about different trades comes in and different, you know, you know, and, and that's where you get the old Mike Francesa, Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher. You know, why, why would anybody call in and suggest all these ridiculous ideas? It's the same thing, you know? So, so to me, what this reeks of is deadline or there was a deadline for dead spin. This guy had an idea, he ran with it. And instead of sleeping on it, instead of really vetting it, like, like it was a research paper and putting it in front of a bunch of different people and workshopping it and whatnot, he said, I got to meet this deadline. I hit the submit button. Right. Let's just go because it's going to be clickbait and people are going to check out the advertisers and I'm still going to make talking about it. And we're talking about it. We're he wins. He, he wins. He totally he wins. We're wins. talking about it. Yep. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pay him some respect right now because I agree with a lot of what he said in the article. And th- I mean, it's just that one, it's just that what I don't agree with is that changing the name means anything. Right. That's the only thing that I disagree with. I agree with everything else. It's, and he made some really good points. Um, it's, but we, but I think we in this society we we we're dealing in absolutes, and the and the art of civil discourse is dead. I feel yeah. like you you cannot have, you know, if you don't believe every part of something, then you must not believe in it at all. Right. And now that's it. You if you're not with me one hundred percent. You're against me, and you know and what? That, and that is such a—that's so unhealthy. That—that's I—that I think is one of the reasons, and I'm not saying this to toot our own horn here, but I think that's one of the reasons why you and I have such a great discourse and a great working and personal relationship. In that, you and I can have different opinions on certain social do. issues, and we totally we do. do. And the idea is that you and I can talk about it in ways where we say, I don't think any less of you because right. you, you differ in opinion. You, I, I am not, in, in certain social issues, I am l- a little less progressive than you are. I'll be the first to admit it. But that, sure. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I don't think that you're entitled to your opinion and that you and I having a conversation about it can't be constructive 
I mean, you know? that doesn't change the fact that we're both assholes. Yeah, I mean, but but that's, real. I mean, that, that was given even before we were born, okay? <laughs> this podcast is rated M for immature, okay? <laughs> no, you don't have to say it. I'm, I'm going gonna to keep saying I know you're going to keep doing it. I'm going to put it in the beginning. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to keep saying it because it's funny. But, but I mean, and, and, and you and I, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. That doesn't mean that, you know, we still don't see eye to eye on certain things. It's more about the idea that, you know, like, for example, in this article that Rob Parker wrote, you know, I'll be the first to admit, there are clearly issues of social justice that constantly need to be addressed. I, I, will, I will admit that from the get-go. Where I begin to differ is the execution of the addressing of those issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in, I just feel like there are other uh, things that, points that need to be discussed Mm-hmm. Uh, concurrently as we discuss those things in order to kind of temper the the discussion in a way where it's almost like when you and I have that discussion, we're almost acting in a way where the two, you know, the two sides in a, in a congressional chamber were supposed to do it in the first place. And we can at least find some commonality mm-hmm. and act a little bit and say, okay, did this work? Okay, that's enough. Or did this work? No, we need more. All right, let's keep going. You know, right. we're, we're, we're doing it the way it was supposed to be done. We're not standing up there and saying, you know what, Sean, if you don't agree with me, then take a hike because that just means you're a, you're a bloody idiot. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and let's face it, you and I are both bloody idiots. Okay. Right. But the point is that, that, that doesn't, we don't, you don't make any headway that way. Right. Like you, you further in your, you've become further entrenched in your own beliefs that way. Right. And that doesn't do anything to kind of meet in the middle and evolve. Even if you are uh, conservative, regardless of the issue, you can't stop the passage and the evolution of time. And the idea is that even, even a conservative person has to continue to evaluate every issue, whether social, whether fiscal, whatever, and say, can I, you know, is, is what I, the, the idea of what I believe behind this, does it still hold true for this right now? And I need mm-hmm. to reexamine it. And if it does, then I can, I can continue to justify it. And if not, then maybe I need to adapt a little bit and say, well, it does, but I need to alter it because of something, or I need to make an adjustment to something. Or you start mm-hmm. saying, you know what, maybe, maybe now is the time to fix it, you know? And, and believe me, people don't like change. Okay. I totally, I totally understand that. And that's, and that's why I empathize with, with, you know, other conservative people, regardless of the issue where we say, I just, I'm just not a fan of change. And there's there's a difference between change and unnecessary change. Right. And, and unnecessary change is obviously of a completely different elk, even necessary change. If you're not a fan of it, I would at least start by saying, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand. If you, if you really want this change, the best thing that you can do is be empathetic towards the people who don't want the change. Don't put up the defenses. Don't go on the offense. Don't say, well, you're an idiot for not believing in this change. Mm-hmm. Seek to understand why they don't want the change and look deep in their psyche and say, maybe there's something else going on. Because the more we connect at that deeper level, mm-hmm. the more we're actually going to get the change that we need. Mm-hmm. And so much of this change is actually just a psychological game. It's, it's just, and a, I think it's a knee jerk reaction. Oh, to, completely. To what's going on. I mean, it's, you know, the other article that I sent 
was um, by BBC, BBC News. And I'm not seeing the author of the article, actually. Well, every BBC News thing is written by one British guy. Okay. And he, he doesn't have a name. He just sits in a cave somewhere in Ireland. And mm. I think he watches like the worst Bond movies. So he watches like Die Another Day uh-huh. and, and Spectre and Skyfall and that's it. Okay. Did I just throw Spectre and Skyfall under the bus? Yes, I did. Yeah. But that's a different book that I'm writing. So, so, the, uh, so the BBC News article, um, it's a technology article, GitHub ab- abandons master term to avoid slavery row. And that's the title. And es- essentially, um, you know, GitHub is that technology platform, the website um, for developers and, you know, for discussion and articles and all that. Um, the, they want to remove the term master slave describing um, how different audio pieces of audio equipment connect together. So, um, to operate to, so what, so that one controls the other. Can you, can you, for, for our listeners who are not, uh, you know, savvy to this, can Mm -hmm. you give it like an example or just a very, you know, like dumb it down just a little bit, because I I can come up with a couple of different things, but I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Right. So let's say I'm using two different programs, right? Um, I'm using Logic Pro, which is a digital audio workstation where you can write music uh, and, and sequence music. And then I'm using Sibelius, which is a notation software, right? I can plug those two programs to work together, right? So I can have, while I'm playing in, I can have something play in Sibelius and logic at the same time when I connect them together. Logic being the master program, Sibelius being the slave program. Um, I can connect two audio functions together, one being the master, one being the slave. The master controls the slave, but they work together to create the final product. Um, It's like connecting... it's like how a it's it's like how an airplane transports the rocket, like at the beginning of Moonraker. I see what you did there, <laughs> right? You know, so like one is carrying the other in a, in yeah, a way. Exactly. The, um, the the airplane is the master, and the rocket is the slave. Is the slave, right? right. So um, they're, you know, these days during this the, during during these these times, uh, there was a there's a movement to have that that name changed um, because of the implications of, of the usage of the words. And I guess for this one, I don't feel quite as strongly as I do with the term, the master's tournament um, because the word master and slave are being used. But at the same time, the, the master slave relationship is referencing technology not people and i think that's sort of my argument for this right um i mean i totally understand why people would want to change it right i mean it is it is it it's the crude. connotation's not great yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, it's I'm crude. Gonna, yeah it's crude i mean i'll admit that but i i i think people just need to kind of take a step back and look at you know 
All right. Yeah, there are there are other things you can call it, but are you are you changing the name because you are genuinely offended by it and that you think that you know, using the new term would benefit us down down the pike. Right. Which it very well could. I mean, it could very well, you know, put that other notion to rest that, you know, we we it's still okay to use the word the term master slave or are you changing it? just just to change it are you right. changing it you know just to say okay let's find let's find you know a, a let's find a term with the word master in it just to change it and i think that like what you said before it's the implications of the word master slave can have some pretty crude elements to it i understand that mm -hmm. but it's why you decide to change it if you're changing it to legitimately like change the culture and make us more aware of the words we're using which words do have power i will admit that and we do and and we have to consider other people's feelings which you were talking about hypersensitive people right and i and i completely understand that so i'm i'm i, I guess i'm less against the t changing it i'm i am more for the question why right are we changing it i'll give you another example of the master slave uh idea in your car if you have cruise control okay cruise control is a program that controls the speed okay the cruise control program is the master and the uh the motor and the acceleration that you can you know use by putting you know the gas in is the slave mm -hmm. the one program mm -hmm. controls the other one mm -hmm. um you know, uh, another example of what you just said about, you know, are, by changing it, are we actually making significant headway is like saying in baseball, how we've changed the disabled list to the injured list. You know, are we, are we actually making significant headway by changing the name of the, of this, this list because mm -hmm. a, you know, a player is himself injured. Is, is he not disabled or are you proverbially the proverbial you you know being hurt in a way that that should you know instead speak to you know speak to something that you need to look at internally that's like saying okay if my car breaks down and it's on the side of the road is my car not disabled mm -hmm. you know I mean, it's, it's there there are we, we, we are taking terminology to a point where we are allowing it to trigger us where we, we demand that the technology be, or the, the terminology be changed. I hate the term new normal, okay? Mm -hmm. I hate it. But that doesn't mean that I'm going around saying anybody who uses the term new normal, you know, deserves to be a second class citizen. That's right. not what I'm saying. I just, I don't use it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's, it's not that difficult and again i'm right. not saying that other people shouldn't be triggered by stuff i'm saying I, look to, deep within yourself right and i think i think the overall the take i get from name changing is or moreover rebranding as a result of a knee-jerk action is that you're really not doing anything to benefit the situation by doing it like right. you're not you're only bringing more attention to the problem instead of finding a solution right to it. 
Right. Like like the whole Masters tournament. Well, okay, yeah, it's a quick and easy fix, but that's not the hard part. Like that's not that's not what we should be working towards. By you changing that name, are you actually doing something to help social justice causes? Right. Like you're probably you change, just put like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the wall a little bit. Okay. But if you change the name, is every person of color in this country going to go what they changed the word masters back to the augusta national invitational oh finally now yeah. i can play golf <laughs> right like i'm like i'm not that not that you know golf should be an exclusively an exclusive sport to only a certain type of people i think everyone should be everyone should enjoy it but like but it sounds ridiculous like yeah. it's not you know it it it's not going to just suddenly trigger everyone to go oh okay let's all go to the course now if you change don't the term if you, you know, don't like it golf it's pr- it's probably because you have a hard time putting that small ball in that small hole that's so far away golf it's you know? hard <laughs> it's a I mean, tough it's, game it's, it's a very difficult game but I'm like, and, and, you know, it's, it should be enjoyed by everyone. Everyone yeah. should get the opportunity to enjoy it. And it's, it's, it's becoming more accessible and, you know, and okay. Yeah, there are, I, I understand if, you know, if you, if you have the connotation, you know that 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 golf is for a, a is for the privileged. I can I understand that because yeah. you I I totally get that. Um, but at the same time, like everything else, it evolves. I mean, you know the, the the I mean just look at it took a long time, but look at Augusta National Golf Course how they changed their their. It took them it took them a long time to do it, and 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 yikes. I'll, 2012 is yeah. really late to be allowing women members for the first time. That if, is ridiculous. If you want to make, but sig- they're evolving. Yeah, if you want to make significant social change in golf, okay, it would be better to spend time and resources promoting the sport as being something that can be universally enjoyed, rather, and and in order to dispense of the notion that it is just an elite sport that is only meant for rich white people, okay? Mm-hmm. That, that is a discussion worth examining because, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, there is a little bit of a stereotype where, you know, it's just, it's just these high-end CEOs that, right. can, that can enjoy, enjoy it on their downtime. And it's not the case, you know? No. So, so that would be a I'm more productive. I'm not a high-end CEO. I'm not even high-end, okay? <laughs> I'm not, so. I'm not, yeah, I'm a CEO. Yeah, well, I am. Um, you know, so. Yeah, you are. But, but, like, no, it's just like, I mean, I play the game, and I'm broke as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, okay. this, there's a warning. There's a warning going out for mature audiences only. Let no, me. But like, but, you're right. But, but really, like, no, I, I'm not. I, I, you know, it, it, it just people just like on both sides need to take a step back and look right. at like and meet somewhere in the middle here. Like with 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 regard to the name change. Right. Like, I'm not talking about with some issues. I mean, I mean, like there are some issues. There's where, other stuff we got to look at. Okay. Like, you can't, there's some things where you just can't think like that. I right. mean, like, like, okay, I don't want to get into that, but like, but with, with germane to this topic, it's just like, yeah, 
I understand why this author wanted to want, wants the name changed. I mean, like, I, or maybe I don't, maybe I don't understand. Right. Like, you know, I, I, I'm willing to listen though. And that's the thing. Like I I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to learn. You and I have never been in the position that this guy may have been in. Okay. Not. And, and so we don't necessarily have the ability to speak to it the same way that, he has the ability right. to speak exactly. to it. But exactly. that doesn't mean that we can't have a discussion about it. And that doesn't mean that we can't ask the questions of saying, well, is this, you know, with all due respect, is this because of something that's, that you've experienced, that you dis- that you determine that this is the right retribution? Or, you know, or, or do you have an actual deeper argument here? And I would be willing to bet that it's more about something that he has, ex- you know, he has specifically felt or experienced mm-hmm. rather than actually trying to make change. Whether it's firsthand or secondhand. Exactly. I mean, maybe it's someone that he knew. I mean, obviously, if you, I, I am going to say that there are, there is systemic racism in our country. And like I said Absolutely. before, there's, there's still work to be done. A tons of work. Yeah. Tons of work and tons of 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 retribution but with purpose like there has to be and that that leads me to a point about it in that are you demanding the change because you want an eye for an eye that's retribution or are you demanding the change in order to level the playing field and just do what's right Okay, and okay. and yeah, that, that's true. That's yeah. that to me is the biggest thing is is if you were demanding your pound of flesh for for something that happened so long ago in a way that's it's like well it never happened to me but I demand to be repaid for it mm-hmm. you know I demand my re- my opportunity to get revenge right. what you're doing there is you're creating a villain okay mm-hmm. if you look at any Bond villain for example a Roger lot of more Roger yep. Moore said the Chinese have a saying yeah if you seek revenge be prepared to dig two graves. Two graves, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and the idea is that if you are trying to get revenge for something like that, you're you're just as guilty. And you know, to 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 seek the change is to improve rather than to just get what you deserve. Look at look at those who are the real heroes of change in our society going as far back as jesus or as recent as gandhi okay Mm -hmm. look at mlk look at the ways that these people enacted change through peace they didn't say an eye for an eye they said we're going to demand change just by being peaceful and that was more powerful than demanding revenge Mm-hmm. Okay, it's it's to it's, you know to to have a silent, peaceful protest in the way that Martin Luther King did does an infinitely amount times more amount of good than to riot and to and to you know cause havoc. Right, and you know I I and for the record, I mean most most of the protests going on. Most of the protests back then and today were peaceful. I mean, it's just a small number of the protests. It's the were, fact that, that those are the ones that get highlighted, at least today, right. you know? And that's unfair. Right. That's, that is really unfair. Right. And on, on the part of the, it's, it, 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 it doesn't, you know, it, now, it, doesn't, make, it doesn't make it right. It still no, needs no. to be dealt with. Right, right. Okay. It, does, it doesn't make it right. These are still but, idiots. But the problem is that if you don't, if you disagree with 
the rioting and the looting, then you must be against the whole thing. Like right. you must be against the whole, and that's not that's not true. Right. It's that you know we you we have to like take a step back. There there are other ways to. I'm all for protesting. I'm all for peaceful protesting. That's I'm it's all your for first, donating. It's donating your, to causes you believe in. It's your First Amendment right. It and you and you like like do something about it. Right. If you feel moved to do something, and that's what why we have OSIP. Right. We were moved in a way to say, you know what? This sportsmanship culture that we have needs to be better. And instead right. of demanding a pound of flesh, we said, let's provide the community with a positive example of how we can make some change. Right. Rather than going around and denouncing people saying, oh, you're a bad sport. Well, then get out. You know, right. I mean, listen, sometimes you got to call people out, but mm -hmm. it's not it's not in a way that's, you know, not thought through. Right. Like the whole thing of silence is complicity. Right. Um. Well, some people are silent because they're listening. Right. You know, some people are silent because they're peacefully protesting. Some exactly. people are silent because they're donating instead. They're actually doing. Right. You know, they're actually becoming the change that they want. Right. You know, and I think that people express their support for something in different ways. And just because they don't express the support the same way you do, doesn't mean that they should be shamed for it. Right. And not for nothing, if I donate, and even if I donate to a cause and, you know, I post the receipt on Facebook, well, you know what? I don't like that because why are, why are you doing that? Right. Why do you need to show the, the world virtue that you, signaling? Yeah, like exactly. That, like why? Why are you doing that? What, right. What are you showing people? Like, are you doing it for the right reason? That's like when people post their dinner. I'm like, 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 who cares? Yeah, like, you know, like, you know, like the like the there's a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry, um, where Larry David and Ted Danson both donated money to the wing of a museum. Okay. And Ted Danson labeled his donation as anonymous okay and larry david didn't but the anonymous person got the m more respect for it like, right you know and larry's like well i put in just as much money what right why you know why am i not getting any of the you know the credit for it they're like anonymous oh wow you know yeah <laughs> to, but, but to a point like you know it you know donating anonymously is it's sort of, I guess it could be like a humble brag in a way, but it's more about what you do. Right. It's more about, it's more about the feeling that you get intrinsically from right. it, not it's, how other people should feel about it. Right. It, whether you choose to, don, to uh, donate anonymously or not, doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that the donation was made. Who cares what the name is on it? Who, you know, mm -hmm. if you have to share it as much as we're like, whatever, it's, you shouldn't have to do it. You know, it's when that's that fine. Yeah. Get, all, right, all right. It's more about, it's more about the bragging aspect. And it's more about the idea that if you see that, it's not like, you know what? Great. Fine. You do you, I'll do me. It's more like, Hey, guess what I did? Nana, nana, nana. You know, that's, right. you know, I mean, you can't call someone out for donating, right? right. You can't, yeah, I mean, you can't, but you don't truly know the reason why they did it. 
Right. Like, and that's, I guess that's sort of the moral, ver- the moral equivalent of if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, does it make sound? Right. Like, okay, we will never know. Right. I mean, it does make sound. Okay? Right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what? Let me, let me play devil's advocate for a second here too. I can see how talking about the donation could have a value in saying, you know what? I want the cause to be spread. I want, okay. you know, Great. Make it known. Said, listen, I'm not talking about this to talk to say, hey, look what I did. I'm talking about it to say this is still an important cause to me. And if it happens to be an important cause to you, here's a way that you can help. Exactly. And there are ways to do that without showing how much you donated. Right. Like, see, if you donate, if you post a picture, a screenshot of the receipt with right. the amount of money donated, okay, I get it. But at the same time, why do you have to show how much right. you? Like, what is that? I mean, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there could be mixed feelings as a result of that. And well, not only that, like, you know, you see, I, this is something I didn't even know. There are a lot of artists who, like, especially musical artists, who will donate proceeds from a, from a concert or uh, from an album to a specific charity, okay? Now, I was always under the assumption that when that happens, it's 100% of the proceeds, okay? Right. You know, do you know, I learned this, this this past semester when I was teaching music business. Would you believe that the average amount is actually just 6%? Like, Wait, yeah. Most like bands- charity gets- 6% of the proceeds. When they say proceeds from this album go to this charity, a lot of the times it's literally only 6%. And I want to be, you know, and, and- Well, you know what? I'll talk, I'll, 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 I'll spin it around because- okay. Um, Susan Komen Breast right. Cancer Foundation spends a lot of their money that they get on advertisement right. and on, you know, merch. Right. Instead of actually donating most of it to research. Right. So that's a legitimate way to say, listen, I might only be giving the six percent to the, uh, you know, to 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 the the actual research, but an additional but even less of that goes exactly. to the actual right. beneficiary. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so so, you know, in on one hand, you could say, listen, by me not knowing that, that's me saying, hey, I thought it was everything, and by them not making that public, you know, that's you know, through that ignorance, <laughs> I'm actually thinking more about the cause rather than about how good these people are and you, you know learn something i learned i learned that dogs don't lay eggs <laughs> so i mean can also so be, be a hat <laughs> <laughs> we're we're idiots we're complete yeah. idiots but but the point being that we go we can look at all the different directions that we're going in with this you know and about yeah. how i don't think that we are against conversation for change it's it's oh, the, absolutely not it's yeah. the knee-jerk reaction and the desire to have a thorough discussion about every issue that determines what we need to do here right you know and that's that's how we get the change let me tell you the story that i told you about about how i was once part of the cancel culture on the receiving end no, on the on the demanding end. Oh, okay. Uh, this was this was at the beginning of the email I sent you, so you okay, might have yeah, you yeah. might have completely forgotten about this. No, because I don't read. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah, I, reading's hard. It is. I know. I know our listeners know that I don't read, and and that email I sent you, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe, believe it. Either, how much so. I I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> when when I was a kid, uh, a physical kid, because I'm still a mental kid. Right. Okay. Do you remember early in the tenure of South Park, mm-hmm. an episode I believe it was called Clubhouses. So, so the idea here in this episode is that uh, Wendy and Bebe want to play Truth or Dare with Stan and Kyle, and they think that they need to have like a clubhouse, treehouse type setting to do it in. And so the two of them try and start building a clubhouse, and then Cartman and Kenny start building a separate clubhouse. Oh shoot! Yeah, that was season okay. two. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Wow. Okay? okay, that's like that's like two thousand ish. Or no, 98 ish, no, I think. 98. 98, 98. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, dur- one of the subplots of that episode was that while Stan was trying to build his clubhouse, Stan's mm-hmm. parents kept arguing and eventually divorced. Okay. And by the end of the episode, they got back together. But in this, you know, 30 minute episode with commercials, there was this subplot about how um, Stan's mom. Uh, divorced is Randy Marsh and brings in a stepfather named Roy and it becomes this whole you know when are you going to love me when are you going to accept me you know like like a complete thing you know thing about that now I saw that episode and I went on a rampage via the South Park uh, discussion mailing list that was popular at the time okay and I sent in this email and they, you know, this, this, the, these moderators will take all the emails they get, post them and you can read them and talk about them and blah, blah, blah. And I wrote this thing where I was like, this episode offended me. I demand South Park be, be better than this, you know, and, 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 you know, I almost like saying like, you better, sorry, you, like, but, sorry, but little did you know, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, and I realized much later, well, why, you know, and I got viciously attacked for it and I realized You know why I did that? Because I was recently a child of divorce. And therefore, I had an experience where this episode brought up a painful reaction. Mm -hmm. And I projected that pain onto South Park and demanded my pound of flesh by saying South Park needs to pay for what it made me think and what what it made me feel again. Right. And, And I went back sometime later to that mailing list and I said, you know what? I apologize because this is what happened. And it's because I experienced this and it brought up a bad reaction in me. And that's how I decided at the time to react to this knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. And people were like, you know, I, I, and unfortunately some people were like, well, it's too late. The damage is done. I hate you, which is, you know, uh, immature, just as bad, just as yeah, bad you know, just as bad. but I, I, I distinctly remember a couple of people saying the guy apologized, you know, let it go. Right. You realize what happened. It's not a big deal. You know, we all make mistakes mm-hmm. and let he who is without sin throw the first stone, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I just, I remember that because I was like, I can't believe that I would demand such retribution because of that. But it was clearly because I had some firsthand experience of the topic that they were discussing. And 
rather than, you know, it wasn't like they were saying they, the whole episode was about my family specifically. You know, there was no South Park character named Jack Furlong and his parents were characters in the episode that got divorced where it was a direct jab at my family. Well, that it would says have, at the beginning of every episode, the, yeah. the, mem- the, the, everything's fictitious and the, should not be viewed by anybody. The impersonations yeah. are done poorly. Poorly, yeah, exactly. So, so I was, you know, but but I re- I remember going back and I was just like, wow, okay, this is clearly what happened here, and and I look back on it now as we talk about this, and I say I I partook in it, and I learned my lesson, and and the better thing to have done was to say, you know what, it's a South Park episode, and yeah, it does trigger some feelings, but that's different than what this fictitious animated show is about. And just because they see it on TV doesn't mean that there has to be a connection to what I'm experiencing. And, you know, I'm, the, I'm a better person for it because I was able to do that. Some people aren't able to do that because the hurt goes so deep. And I'm not going to sit here and chastise them and say, well, then fix it. That, that's legitimate hurt. That's legitimate sensitivity. And that's stuff that they have to work through on their own time. And I understand and I respect that. And I would rather give them the opportunity to work through it rather than to um, chastise them for that. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I recognize it. I can, I'll scroll through social media these days and I'll see posts that are so critical of certain things happening in this world, politics, pandemic, social rights, whatever. And the things that people are saying, you know, my first reaction is to be livid regardless of what side is coming down they're coming down on but my next reaction is to say what what's going on in your life that's making you feel this way and i'm not saying that in a way to be judgmental i'm saying that out of care to say clearly you are affected by this in a way that makes me think something's happening here and i got to i want to i want to know what that is you know or i want to better understand that because it just seems like you need you need a hug is what you need Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you know uh, that would probably be a better thing to do than to than to and, come the post like you're an idiot. And I and I think that <clears throat> you know this everything that's going on now. You know what with the pandemic and everything, it's like that's not helping. Right, you we're know? all I mean, on edge. I know it. It is just like I can't believe that we're in a world now where people where you can't say that we're all in this like if you say we're all in this together that could be misconstrued as you being a racist right right i mean go ahead like okay I know you said at the beginning of the episode. Right, yeah. Yeah, like... I don't like the term, but but that doesn't mean that I'm going to go off in a way that says that if you use that term, you're an idiot or you're a racist or anything like that. It just means I don't like the term. I think it's... I I personally think the term is a little shallow and doesn't do justice to how we are feeling right now. But that's me. Or like if you say, you know, there's only one race, the human race. Right. Like that's considered subtle racism right because i believe all lives matter right that, that makes me a bad person and you know that doesn't mean that you don't think black lives matter right you know and i i mean i think black lives matter absolutely but that doesn't mean i don't think all lives right 
better. And, and it doesn't mean that I need to go about, you know, protesting and putting my feelings out there to a point where I demand the pound of flesh because right. of that. You know, right. I, I silently sit here and I say, all lives matter. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that because black people are better or worse or anything. Every single human life, regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, or religion matters. Right. And I, we, and I, and I understand that and I get that. And, you know, I think, and I, you know, so I, I saw that the, uh, I saw it on social media where, you know, two houses, one, there was one house and then the other house was on fire. Like you could say that the one house on, you see the one house on fire, but then the other person says, well, all houses matter. I'm like, yes, but one house is on fire now and needs the attention. I get that. I mm -hmm. absolutely understand that. Um, Cause there is, there, there is, there is a group of people who are suffering every day at the hands of our law enforcement and they need our attention and yes there needs to be police reform but that doesn't mean i don't that doesn't mean that i hate you because you have because you think slightly differently doesn't mean you we know? need to burn down the other house too to make it right yeah you know i, I just think i just think we need to acknowledge that there is a problem and and that that we it's how we go about it and how we have a civilized discussion and how we can kind of just there has to be civil discourse here right there has to be you know there has to be a legitimate way to is rather than changing the name of something let us look at the root of the problem and let's find a way to kind of steer things in the the right how we get back on the right track, right track. but really it's yeah. like you can't change the past but you can affect the future with positive change that is well thought out and that, you know, you move forward together. I want to I wanna wrap this up with a thought I just had. Um, in some of my spiritual studies, one of the conflicts that I see as being a major issue is the the conflict that that pits guilt against the refusal to accept guilt okay we see it a lot in um you know a, a lot of a lot of churches like specifically I, I i have experienced it specifically in roman catholic churches i've seen it in other protestant churches okay so christian churches not all christian churches do this okay but i've seen it happen in some of these churches. And the idea is that, you know, the message that is preached is that you're a sinner and you need to do better. And it, and it gives off the idea that you are guilty, okay? And you need to beg for forgiveness. Now on the flip side, there's a new movement where we, we look at it and we say, it's okay to, to, to be weak. It's okay to be vulnerable because you're, you are worth it. Stop thinking like you're guilty and you're not worth it and you're a bad person. Though both of those extreme uh, viewpoints don't work. It is the middle viewpoint where you have the ability to self-reflect and say, okay, yeah, maybe I can make a couple of changes in my life from here to there, here and there, but it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. 
It doesn't mean that I'm not worth it. It doesn't mean that I can't love and that I'm not worthy of love. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we can reflect on ourselves and say, how did I treat people recently and how can I do a better job of that, you know, and build upon positivity rather than saying, let me call to mind all the different ways that I have screwed up and I have, I have sinned and let me beg for forgiveness. Okay. And that's, what's happening here is that there are a lot of different scenarios in our world right now where people are demanding one or the other. And the best way to reconcile that is to say, nobody is above self-reflection and looking for ways to improve, but nobody is beneath a level where they're not worthy. And, and we can all find positive ways to help without being accusatory without being demanding, without being offensive, without being defensive, and by choosing our words and our tones properly in order to say, I feel a certain way and I'd like to see some change, but that doesn't mean that you're not entitled to your opinion and that I, I, and I welcome you to sit with me at this table and let's break some bread and see if there's common ground here where we can respect each other and say, you know what, just because we happen to disagree doesn't mean that we're bad people or that we can't get along, you know? And, and that, is the, that is the definition of how we enact sportsmanship in our regular lives. You know, I, and that, that is absolutely true. And I use this example, I think this is when John McCain was running against Obama and he said at a town hall meeting, this woman said that called, I think, I don't remember it fully, but she called Obama a terrorist and, 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 and an Arab and, and everything. And, and McCain was like, no, 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 I'm not going to, no, no, he's not, he's not, he's not like that. I mean, we have, we have disagreements, but I respect him. And, um, you know, and Obama then, responded to that saying, I respect McCain as well. I, I, I respect his service to our country. I might not agree with him on everything, but I, I respect the work he has done and I, and I admire him for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you know, and I mean, like, how heartwarming is that? That's sportsmanship. Like, that's sportsmanship, but it's like, that's the sportsmanship of debate. That's the sportsmanship of politics. Right. Is that you can have you can have differing opinions, but don't lose respect for the other person because they feel a certain way. Right. Like about about most issues. Right. I mean, there are some issues where I'm sorry. <laughs> you just I don't want to say him, but like, you know, but in like with 99% of what of the, like the issues we discussed today, right. You've got to like, just take a step back and, and look at, look at the collective and say, right. we can, we can, we can meet on common ground with this. And, forward. and when we find those issues where we have, you know, you might have such a hearty disagreement. Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot easier now to say 
perhaps we can look at why these people feel so strongly, even if we so strongly disagree. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we empathize and we try and better understand why they feel that way, we can begin to understand it a little bit better and find the way to fix it. Because they know? could just really be misguided. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I honestly, and this is a topic for another time, but I honestly feel there are a lot of political issues where what we see on the surface does not represent what's going on beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And, and we'll talk about that another time. Right. Um, but this was a good one today. Yeah. And, and for, for not having a lot of sports to talk about and for just trying to get them out when we get them out, I think we did a pretty, pretty darn good job. Oh, this is, this is, this so, is a great episode. Yeah. So I thank you, Sean, not only for your work for producing and engineering, but for bringing the idea to the forefront and for mm -hmm. kind of taking the lead on it a little bit, because mm -hmm. I think that we made some, we made some good headway here. It's and discussions that need to happen. Exactly. And you and I, although we disagree on certain things, we don't feel any less about each other and we can continue to have a great friendship and a great working relationship as a result, you know? Absolutely. So, so I hope that everybody listening can take that to heart as well. Um, Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Once again, you can join us on the, the interwebs, osipfoundation.org, podcast at osipfoundation.org, facebook.com slash osipfoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Uh, Sean, again, thank you for your hard work. Of course. Um, and we, we hope everybody out there is uh, doing well and staying safe. Uh, sports are right around the corner. So just hold on for a little bit longer. We'll get there. Um, until we speak again, everybody, make sure that you treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org. <laughs>